fish on. Hey, Radcast is on. Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. From the Porter's 10Cast Studio, here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Welcome to another episode of Radcast Outdoors. I'm Patrick Edwards. And I'm David Merrill. And we're here in the Porter's 10Cast Studio. And today we have Miss Susie Busta from Minnesota. And she works with DSG Women's Apparel. And brought her on to talk a little bit about women in the field, but also talk about the new industry of women's apparel because it's been changing quite a bit lately. Um, and she's a young mother. And so she has a lot of insight that I think she can give to the audience. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are trying to get involved in the outdoors, get out there a little bit. So first things first, Susie, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you kind of got into the outdoors and outdoor apparel. Um, so I am a brand new mom. Um, my husband and I had our son back in April, um, which was, um, a big change for us because we are both pretty, um, outdoorsy people and we like to spend a lot of time in the outdoors. Um, so that's our, our brand new adventure, um, from, from this year. Um, I like ice fishing. I like bow hunting. Um, I did a little bit of rifle hunting in Wisconsin this year too so I'm kind of getting into that more um, my husband and his family have a cabin out there so they've been doing it for a number number of years so this is my first year um, other than that we really we just we like to be outside we like to do stuff outside we like to explore um, but hunting and fishing and ice fishing are um, big things in our lives um, and we really enjoy doing them. Um, so the two outdoor apparel, um, women's outdoor apparel companies that I represent are Rock Starlet Outdoors, which is more of an active wear lifestyle brand, and then DSG, which is more on the field side of stuff. So they have um, hunting is or was their main clothing. Um, actually, I have to go back because it wasn't hunting. It was um snowmobiling was where they first started off and now you know they've expanded into hunting and this year they just expanded into ice fishing and then they're coming out with their um, open water line of fishing gear so that's something to look forward to too for the warmer months yeah and i saw the women's ice fishing apparel look pretty nice yeah it's really good gear um i've gotten to test it out actually more than i probably thought i would with having a young son and um, you know, kind of trying to figure out time-wise, but it's really kept me warm, um, especially in the bitter cold winter of Minnesota. So, you know, I, I started uh, my similar story with my first son. We are living in Alaska. My wife's uh, working a, a shift work position, and I want to go fishing on the weekends. I don't want to just mm-hmm. sit in the house, right? So, right. you know, it, it, gear was super important, but I took our son when he was five, six months, maybe seven months old out 
ice fishing for the day. And, you know, w- one thing I want everybody to know is you really got to check the expectations, right? I put him in yep. like three layers of clothes, then put a little snowsuit, then tucked <laughs> a blanket around him, put him in the little papoose bag on my backpack, and then put a blanket all the way over the top of him. And he had had his bottle before we got to the there in the truck, right? So he went in there. He's wrapped in like nine layers, and <laughs> he's sleeping. I got to fish for about 35 minutes, right? He's on my back. He's he's insulated and warm, and it. I mean, we're talking... I was ice fishing in Alaska, so it was cold, but I heard him start fussing and wiggling and moving, and we went back to the truck, and that was our ice fishing trip for the day, and it took an hour to get ready to go, and when we got home, it took an hour to clean up and put stuff away (laughs) and get the baby sourced, but yeah, so. Yeah, I think you kind of have to lower your expectations from where they were at when you have little kids, and you know, if you just kind of go out there and expect that, hey, it might only last for 30 minutes, at least you got out there and you got to enjoy it for a little bit. But I think the biggest thing to instill in everyone is, you know, that kid is now seven years old and he's had, you know, hunting experiences and snowmobiling experiences and snowboarding experiences, but he really wants to fish. That's what that kid wants to go do. And it, it hurts his dad a little bit because <laughs> all I want to do is go hunt. <laughs> exactly. So Yeah, it, it's good to start them, you know, when they're young and then they kind of get that way of life, hopefully, going up when they get older. Yeah, speaking of that, who got you into the outdoors? What? Who was the person that kind of took you along? Uh, well, I, I went a few times. I don't really remember it. Fishing with my mom. Uh, my mom was, or uh, she isn't anymore because she she kind of got out of it. But she used to be a very big fisherwoman, and she used to be into that. And I remember, you know, looking back on pictures, you would be standing next to her, and she would have her fish and holding her enormous fish, and we'd be standing next to her. And that was who got me started in fishing. Um hunting side we were not a hunting family we um we're farming family so for us it was not about hunting at all um i got started in bow hunting because i wanted to bow hunt i thought hmm, this looks interesting so i decided to purchase my own bow i went you know did reviews on it looked at stuff and purchased it and then started bow hunting you know from few tips and tricks from other people and you know that's been part of my life now for probably about eight years so it's kind of a a both a combo a family and then kind of starting and going as I am as I learned and as I wanted to yeah that's great what's your uh, favorite animal to hunt nowadays I haven't you know I haven't done much besides deer hunting so Mm -hmm. So you're deer hunting, hunting white tails? Probably, yep, white tail deer. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my favorite. <laughs> so are you doing that primarily out of a tree stand there in Minnesota? Yep. Um, my husband has a climber stand, and I'm hoping this upcoming season I will get to do that. Um, I, I normally hunt out of a ladder stand, mm-hmm. so you're kind of limited to where you can move to without pulling the whole thing up and moving. So I'm hoping that I can learn from from climber stand and then use that this season. Yeah, and hopefully you can check out uh, David's new product, the bow spider, for hauling your bow on your back if you're going up into yeah. a tree stand or hanging it up against the tree or whatever you want to do. He's got a pretty sweet deal there for that. Um, yeah, definitely. So 
Another question for you. I always like to ask people this is what's the best place or your favorite place that you've ever hunted or fished? Um, you know, hunting, I, I, I like hunting in Minnesota. Um, that's the only bow hunting I've done is in Minnesota, but fishing, my favorite place is at our cabin in Wisconsin. Um, that has just been my favorite thing to do. That's where, um, me and my husband enjoy our time together alone before we had our son, but we also enjoy it with family there. So, um, it's nice to get out with family and go fishing out there. Yeah. And I'm sure you've probably had some nice shore lunches with some food that you've caught up there. That's always fun. Oh yeah. Fresh, fresh fish is probably the best you can, you can get. Yeah. So what motivates you to keep involved with the outdoors? Cause what I see is sometimes young families, they, they have their kids and then they decide, yeah, we should take some time off. And then next thing they know, it's been five to 10 years since they've been outdoors doing stuff. So what, what keeps you motivated to keep your kids out there? Um, learning experiences and hoping that he will eventually choose that kind of lifestyle when he gets older you know, you're always learning something new. I, I mean, I've learned so much even last year about hunting and bow hunting in Minnesota, but every year it seems like you learn something new and that, you know, goes on to the next year. So I'll take that, what I applied last year and then apply it to the next year and so on and so on. And I really hope that he does that too when he gets older that he takes his learning experiences and, oh, I might have had a bad hunt, but what can I learn from it? What can I apply to my next one or next season? Um, another thing, I guess, that I really enjoy about um, hunting and the outdoors and what motivates me is the hard work that you have to put in. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize how much hard work it actually is to be out in the outdoors and the scouting you have to do and the physical labor you have to do and I love doing hard work and I love being able to do that with something that I enjoy that's actually not work in general um it's it's really it really motivates me every single time that I go out there and I hunt and I fish and I do whatever I'm doing out in the outdoors yeah, that's awesome. It's it's like I tell my kids, sometimes you just need to get outside and get in the sunshine, get away from everything. I, I spend my work week in the office and by the weekend I'm ready to go ice fishing or open water fishing on the river or something just to get outside and get some sunshine. Right, yeah. It's, it's something that you can't compare it to, at least in my mind, to anything else. Yeah, absolutely. So, Let's get into this apparel stuff just a little bit because I know about 10 years ago, there was really nothing for women on the market. I mean, no. there, there was very limited options and, you know, as much as a woman can wear a pair of coveralls designed for a guy, it's not <laughs> ideal. And so I was wondering no. if you could kind of tell us a little bit about some of the big innovations and things that have happened in that area. Sure. Um, for me, I always, or I was, I guess, looking for something that would fit my body. Um, before I found DSG, I found that the women's line was really boxy and it was almost like a man designed it for a woman and didn't take into consideration a woman's body. <laughs> and, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't expect to look all girly girly when I go out, but 
as a female, I want to look somewhat acceptable and not just, you know, sitting there with a bag on you or whatever you want to call it. But um, so the fit is important. Um, DSG is designed and owned by a woman. So she actually knows a woman's body. Um, And their line is really, it's tailored to different sizes, which is really awesome. So they go from an X, extra small to a 5XL. So they have a variety of sizes that they do. Um, That was what first got me started in liking DSG because I first started with the hunting. Now, this year they've done ice fishing. And in previous years, when I ice fish, I kind of have a thrown together apparel. So, you know, like you said, it'll be just some random bibs and then just a winter coat because there was nothing out there. Um, nothing that I found that I enjoyed and kept me warm and actually looked decent. So with their ice fishing line this year, I actually have something that keeps me warm, that looks good, and that's designed for me. Um, my favorite feature of DSG, <laughs> if you're a woman and you're outdoors, access to bathrooms is not always an option. <laughs> um So they have drop seat bibs. So it's basically the back end of your bibs unzips and you don't have to get fully undressed. So it's so amazing. I just can't say enough about that. I know when uh, my wife first started going out in the field and she, she had been going out in the field with her father years before we met, but her dad's, you know, six one and two twenty, and I'm, I'm six foot and one eighty, right? And she's mm-hmm, yep. she's five foot and nothing, right? And so she's sitting <laughs> yeah. here wearing our leftover clothes, trying right. to go out in the field, and it 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 functioned. It was warm gear, so it was better than a pair of blue jeans and a sweater. But yeah, she right. was really ecstatic when some of these women's lines started coming out, and she could get you know bibs that fit and a coat that was tapered and had you know just just the ergonomics to fit the woman's body. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, you know, every year what she does, the owner of the company, she takes the feedback she gets off the page, off their DSG website, and she applies that to the next year's model. So she might take things and change them or take um, different things and improve them. And I guess for me, that's really exciting because DSG's ice fishing line, which is new, She's going to take what we give her when we're out in the field and she's going to improve that over time to the next set. So, you know, this year is the first model. Next year it might be even better. She might move things. She might do things like that. So it's, it's really good to see that she's taking feedback from people who actually are out there using it and applying it to next year or the year after. And as parents trying to take, you know, kids out, whether ice fishing or turkey hunting or steelhead fishing or walleye fishing, right? If you've got good gear that you're comfortable in, you can now devote your time and energy to making sure those kids are having a good, fun time. And yeah, I've seen some parents go a little overboard on, they've got to have matching camo for their kids with them. And, you know, the kids... If you get just get them a good parka and, and maybe a pair of long johns under their jeans and check those expectations, that's where we're going to perpetuate this sport and really grow. Right, right, exactly. 
Yeah, I have a question for you because a lot of women, including my wife, want to know, you know, if they're going to go online and buy something like DSG or another brand, how do they know they're getting the right fit? I mean, what what do you suggest for tips on that for women's outdoor apparel? So DSG, um, like any other brand, has size charts on there. Um, So always, you know, measure before you, you get it. I always take into consideration, too, that you might have layers underneath what you're wearing. I wear um, base layers. I When I go out ice fishing, I wear a sweatshirt because if I'm too hot, I'm going to take that coat off, and I want something right there that I didn't have to carry out or put on my sled. We had so wilderness expert Buck Tilton in here a long time ago, yeah. one of the first ends, and he said, and I'll, I'll never forget this one, he said, dress like an onion, right? You you know, and I, I can remember when I was very fresh going out in the field, I had a Pacific Northwest, it, it rains all the time, right? And uh, right. I had a Carhartt rubberized PVC coat, right? Perfectly waterproof, yeah. it's what the fishermen wear out on the ocean. It also yep. does not breathe one ounce. And when you're hiking up a hill, it's raining inside that coat as well as outside. Right, yeah. <clears throat> so layers are yeah. important. Layers are very important. So you really you have to take that in consideration, too, when you're sizing. The thing with DSG, though, is they're really easy with returns. So if you get it, it doesn't fit. You know, you just go online, you start a return, and you can get you know, the right fit that you need. So at least you're not out there and uncomfortable, um, which is really good when you're a woman and you want something that fits properly. So on these trips that you're doing, you know, what's one piece of gear that you would say, you know, it's kind of your go-to, I'm not leaving the house without this piece of clothing? I would have to say, well, there's actually probably two. Um, I get cold really easily. I... I just, that's just how I am. My hands and my feet, they go first. And when you're sitting in Minnesota in a deer stand in, you know, negative 20, you want something that keeps you warm. So gloves for me are a must and a warm pair of socks. And then, um, like I said, a sweatshirt so I can layer and take that, you know, that top layer off and have something underneath in case I do get too hot. Um, it's so important, I can't even begin to say in Minnesota, to have the right outdoors apparel so you're staying warm and you're not moving around constantly. You're trying to get warm. And I think that's with a lot of areas that have different climates or colder climates. Um, it's really important to have that kind of gear that's going to keep you warm and function while you're out there. So, Susie, when, when I'm doing my elk hunts, you know, we start – sometimes in the morning at, at below freezing temperatures. And by mid afternoon, we can see something as high as 60, 70, even 80 degrees, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. then you're also, you've got the uh, physical exertion and added in there of long periods of where we're hiking uphill, you know, and it might be two hours in the dark. I'm hiking at, you know, 32 degrees, but you're hiking enough that, you know, you're actually building that heat and that moisture. If you don't right. stop and manage your layers and you just sweat it all through, then later in the day, now all your clothes are wet. So I, I would say the same advice holds true for if I'm going to go hike to a deer stand in Minnesota, you know, don't put all your layers on at the truck, sweat right. on the way to the stand and try and sit down. No, put all your layers in a backpack. And I, I, I like to start hiking a little bit uncomfortable, right? You get out of the nice warm truck, yeah. 
you start the hike when you're a little uncomfortable, but then, you know, as you hike and start to build up some heat, you don't overheat. And it's amazing how quickly, if you put a big, heavy down, you know, coat like a waterfowling coat or a, a, you know, a Wisconsin parker that you're going to sit for five hours in a stand on, if you put that on and try and hike the quarter mile of the stand, you're going to be too hot on, on the other spectrum, which mm-hmm. then you sweat and then you get way, way, way too cold. Right. And we've been going out when we've been going out ice fishing, um, the lakes are finally a little bit better, at least where we're at, because we've had, it's just been a really horrible, horrible year for ice fishing. But we've been walking out and at times we have to walk at least a mile or more. So to start off with that sweatshirt and then hike out there, you find by the end, you are just, you're sweaty, you're hot you're exhausted from pulling a sled and all your gear. But then towards the, the end of your ice fishing day or maybe in the middle, you'll find that you get too cold. So then you can put on that, that top layer, that coat, whatever you need to, to keep you warm. And then that keeps you going, you know, so you're able to stay out longer instead of, like you said, starting off with just sweaty, nasty, cold. Staying out longer means you're catching more fish, you're getting more game, <laughs> exactly. you're having more fun. Yep. Yeah. There's exactly. also there's also those big temperature swings even in the summer. I was fishing, this has been two years ago, we were going after big <clears throat> catfish. My dad and I, we found this spot in Nebraska and it started off the day at 45 degrees when we left camp and got on the boat. It was right at sun up. It was about 45 degrees and by two o'clock in the afternoon, it was 103 And so, you know, you have to be ready whether you're, you know, doing stuff in the summer or in the winter. I mean, you you just can't assume, you know, if I'd gone out in shorts that morning, I'd have been really cold, you know, to start the day. But how I did is I just layered up too and then, you know, pulled off the hoodie about 10 o'clock in the morning and then, you know, got into the shorts. And I mean, you you just have to be ready for any of that because it can, it can change a lot. Right. And, you know, you never know. Um, and I, I know with their summer line, they, I just took a look at it briefly and I've ordered some stuff online because they're pre-ordering for DSG, but they're UV protected. So mm-hmm. you get those UV shirts too, when you're sitting out on a boat and the sun's just beating down on you, you got to have something to protect your skin. And those things are amazing. I have a really nice one. It's buttoned down and you know, it's long sleeved, of course, and I'll tell you what, it breathes really well. And I, I, it does two things for me. It keeps the UV off. It keeps the mosquitoes off, which is also nice. Cause I know you guys aren't familiar with mosquitoes at all in Minnesota. Oh no, not at all. <laughs> They're like as big as birds up there. Kind of like it's, here. So the state bird of Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's kind of nice to have that because you get both, both things, you know, and keep the bugs off. Um, sometimes right. the fl- deer flies and horse flies can be bad too. So it's nice to be able to keep the sun and those bugs off. Interesting exactly. fact, there is 26 variety of mosquito in Alaska. 26? Oh, my. oh man. That sounds like 26 <laughs> ways to get your blood sucked out of you. <laughs> but, uh, and we got, there's some that are like B-52 bombers, right? They're like a huge, you can hear them buzzing forever coming. And then there's those. some that are like little fighter jets. They just, you don't even hear them. <laughs> and you look down and they're like a quarter the size of those big ones, but they, they don't make that humming buzzing sound. They just... And they don't they don't buzz you and then kind of land and crawl around. No, they 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 dive in like a hummingbird. I and think, just 
I think I remember those from Soul.net. I think I ran into a couple of those when I was there last time. I've got one video. I was shooting my bow at uh, midnight in Alaska. I've got a little video we took, and you all you can hear on the audio is buzzing of mosquitoes, and I have a mosquito head net on, and I'm shooting in a long sleeve shirt with mosquito gloves on because it's, there's this black cloud of mosquitoes. <laughs> We don't have it that bad. I have never experienced it that bad. I'm sure there's places in Minnesota where they probably are close to that, but I know that you guys have a fair amount, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, we do. So We have our share. Yeah, so as far as, like, Minnesota is known for a lot of things, but mainly for its fishing. So tell me about some of the best fishing opportunities that you have access to and, you know, what, what do you enjoy going after? Um, so we're the land of 10,000 lakes, so there's ample opportunity to go out and fish. Um, I used to live in southern Minnesota, so I didn't, lakes weren't as abundant as they are in northern Minnesota, but, um, you know, now that I'm up here, it's like I, I can literally, where I work, I can walk out, I don't know, it's not far, but I'm looking at a lake right now, so it's it's that easy to get to lakes. Um, we do ice fishing, of course, um, open water fishing, um, all sorts of fish. You know, we target for us, we enjoy panfish um, because they're so good to eat. But of course, the walleye is really good here too. So um, walleyes, uh, sunfish, um, perch. I was just out. I caught a lot of perch this last weekend. Um, there's all sorts. I mean, there's eel pout. You have pike, northern pike. Um, gosh, I'm trying musky. Yeah, you there's guys, really a lot. There's bass too. Yeah, all you guys have it all. I think pretty close. Yeah, we've got we've got quite a quite a bit catfish. Um, so it's it's really easy to go out and and fish and to have that available really close um, and that's really nice yeah you'll have to try that recipe i just put out on facebook um for i called it walleye bites but it really works with anything i, I like to do pan fish chips you know where you fillet them out and you've got that little delectable piece of meat put it in that seasoning and stuff that i put on there you, you'll definitely have to try that out and let us know what you think but oh yeah absolutely. um so one thing I want to ask you about is if you could go hunting anywhere for anything, what would it be? Um, well, probably two different answers. Um, if I could go hunting anywhere, it would be Alaska. Um, and if I could hunt for anything, I've got a couple, but bison, elk, and moose would be my, my three. Um, bison is really, for me, probably the number one thing I would love to go hunting for bison. So I went, uh, I got my bison tag in 2015, I think it was. And I went up and hunted with a archery tackle and I killed a pretty nice bull. It was, uh, is, is quite, quite an interesting endeavor. I mean, we, uh, we had access to a, a place and got a, got a, a tractor in there actually. But if that buffalo had gone another 300 yards west, he would have gone into some really rocky, cliffy country that, you know, they were kind of using this bench to go back and forth from their feeding to their bedding. And we sat yeah. up there and got on them. But it took a, it took a couple shots. 
I, the first shot was lethal, but I snuck up and put a second one in him as he was just kind of standing there. It was about 60 seconds apart probably. You know, he was broadside. The herd was coming past me. I shot him. He ran about 90 yards and stopped, and I pivoted, snuck up, and put a second shot. And both shots were lethal, but, I mean, just skinning a bison. You know, I, oh, I've I done a lot of elk, and the hide is so much thicker. And, I mean, we had – I mean, I'm not trying to say that I had it rough and I was out in the plains by myself horseback, <laughs> right? No, we, we pulled the tractor in there with the hay forks, and as we skinned it, we put one of the forks through the hawks on the rear end, and then we could lift it up in the air and skin it and kept it clean and – dropped it in the back of a pickup in a tarp and took it to the butcher and he, he processed it for us. But I'll tell you that, that you want to talk about some good eating meat. It, it took me almost my family and I a little over a year to eat that whole bison. How much did it weigh? Oh, he, you, I don't think we ever weighed it for sure, but I mean, you're, you're in excess of 1200 pounds. Yeah. It's a big animal. Amazing animal. Yeah. Very amazing. So what you'll have to do is you'll have to put in for that bison tag here in Wyoming, and then you know a guy here now with David. You know you can there pick you his go. brain. <laughs> so so there, there is. Go. You know we had we had uh, Brian from High Mountain Seasoning. He just mm-hmm. was successful on his bison tag this last about a week and a half ago. Yeah, it was and a nice so, one. It was good. So then, question for you guys, since you you're you're familiar with it, how often do they open that? Is that yearly? It's a yearly draw, yeah. So anybody, resident or non-resident, can get on uh, Wyoming Fishing Games website, and they, it's a you know hunting Wyoming, and you select the drop down, and you pick a species, and then you have to pick an area. And the draw is still going on this spring, so you need to get that done. And it takes a lot of years to get a point. And once you uh, once you harvest one in in Wyoming, you're it's a you, it's not a once in a lifetime tag. But once you harvest, it's once in a lifetime harvest. So you could, but it takes a lot of years to get a tag. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, and they what they do is they try to keep the the bison herd that typically most people hunt up here. They try to keep them from coming off of the park. And so what they'll do is they'll come onto state land, and when they do, that's when you can harvest. My buddy CJ was up there this year too, just like our buddy <laughs> Brian. So it, it took a little while because those, those bison do know kind of where that line is. Uh, they've been conditioned a little bit, so it can be challenging, right. um, but definitely worth it. If you can, if you can draw that tag, that's a, that's one of those dream hunts that a lot of people want to go on. Oh, definitely. So Susie, as far as the moose, I mean, there's, there's some pretty good opportunities out West. Um, Alaska's probably Alaska, Canada, Newfoundland, you know, BC, those are places where they, you can kind of have more of an over-counter tag. Now, most of those places you need a guide. Alaska, you don't, but I've, uh, I lived there for a few years and I didn't have a plane. I didn't have a boat. And so trying to hunt from the road system, you're, you're competing with a lot of people. And I, I've been right. putting in for a certain tag up there and haven't drawn it yet, but it, it can be a tough moose hunt for sure. I mean, if you wanted now you're going to get the big 60 inch rack. And I mean, those, those Yukon moose are, until you see one, you know, you, you see one down here, one of these Shiras around Idaho or Wyoming or even Utah. I mean, they're big. They they, they make a horse or, or a moo cow or an elk look little. But, yeah. I mean, the the ones up there in the Yukon are almost a quarter bigger. They're just, you know, it's it's hard to describe until you see one of those brewers, right. just bruisers up there. We have them, um, they wander down every so often, um, I'm guessing from Canada, or way northern, northern 
Minnesota, um, we had um, last year, I believe it was, when we went out duck hunting, we saw a family that was together. So that was kind of neat. You know, you don't often see them. I mean, just kind of running around out there. But it's, it's neat when they do come down and you can actually be able to look at them and see them up close and in person. Yeah, I like seeing them too, just not real, real close. But no. um, <laughs> I've had a couple of close encounters over the years and up around Lander and Mountain View, different places. And it's like, yeah, I don't mind them being a couple hundred yards away, but they are yep. a beautiful, beautiful animal. Well, cow-calf-moose yeah. combination injure more people in Alaska than any, any other species up there every year. Oh, boy. I got to share a story. My, uh, my wife is a... Uh, she she needs she needs some kudos and some credit. I uh, we've been putting in for tags and I've been putting in for the same moose tag as she has. And I'll I'll give you the areas. Pinedale region four and five is where she drew a moose tag her second year applying. Wow, nice. And so we went. She only had weekends to hunt. It's a four four week season. It's a month long season. And so we'd go leave here every Friday night after she got off work. Drive till late in the evening. We had a camp set up over there. Get up camp. On all day Saturday, hunt Sunday morning and start headed home so that we could be home Sunday evening for her to go back to work. And the third weekend on uh, Saturday evening, and we'd had some other moose opportunities, and we'd seen quite a few, a lot of 20 to 25-inch, just little young bulls, you know, little small paddles. We finally found a, a nice 40-inch moose at about 90 yards stand up in the willow patch, and I had our 5-year-old at the time, in my big day pack, he was just, I'd opened the top of the pack and he was standing in there riding <laughs> around all day. And, you know, cause we didn't have babysitters and we were hunting and, you know, he, it was pretty neat that we were working around this huge meadow, maybe four or 500 acre meadow that was, you know, almost head high willows. And this bull stood up out of there after we had almost encircled the whole thing. 90 yards away. I'm 10 yards behind my wife. She steps up, rests the rifle on the side of the tree the boy and I are, I'm like, plug your ears. He plugs his ears and we got to, <laughs> we all got to witness that harvest. And then we got the truck within about 500 yards and we packed it up and had it cleaned up by about 10 o'clock that night. And she, the, the rest of the story is I took a wrong turn in the dark driving out of there thinking I could get a shortcut and get off the mountain quicker. We took the long box, uh, crew cab Duramax and tried to do some creek crossing and got it stuck at about 10 30 oh, no. at night oh no <laughs> we have a winch but on, on the way into the creek it was fine because i was facing timber well we went up the the yard the hill about another maybe 500 yards and come to this swamp that no you know you weren't going to cross so we needed to turn around and backtrack about a three quarters of a mile take the other fork and then get out of there and we're already it's not a gravel nice road we're already driving in six or eight inch ruts of mud well, when we turn around to come across through that creek again, we're now pointed downhill into the creek and pointed out into the meadow and sage, and there was nothing to winch to, and the truck is just sitting halfway in the creek, and the front's, the front of the truck's wedged to the ground. The back of the truck is in the creek with the tire spinning, and finally uh, we took some paracord, all the rope I had, all the chains, all the straps, <laughs> and we tied. I'd, I'd rip three or four sagebrush out of the ground trying to winch, right, because you're I'm trying to drag that truck over the ground really hard, hard angle. Yeah. And finally, we tied that paracord to like seven different sagebrushes right down at the root and then kind of made our own anchor. So I need to get a, a real 
desert winch anchor for that truck. But <laughs> yeah, since then, I've bought so. a four wheeler and we have horses now. So that helps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so another quick question for you. As far as fishing goes, I mean, you live in a great place. I mean, the, uh, there's yeah. lots and lots of tourists go to Minnesota just to fish, and a lot of them go for muskies and different, you know, special species that you have. But if you could go anywhere to fish for something, what would you? Where would you go, and what would you fish for? Uh, back to Alaska. There you go, <laughs> Alaska for salmon fishing. I would love to do that. Um, and then my other place would be Florida, and I actually would love to go sail fishing. Oh yeah, yeah. Different. I mean, you know, it's it's we see the same species over and over again. So it'd be nice to go for something else. And stuff out of the ocean pulls a lot harder than what yeah. we fish for here in freshwater. <laughs> that's for sure. If I were Definitely. to go to Florida, I'd just probably have to throw tarpon on that list, and maybe you know some of oh, those yeah. sharks like mako. That would be kind of fun too. So, yeah. Um, I know you guys like to eat what you what you hunt and kill and what you catch. So um, just tell us a couple of your favorite recipes, one for hunting and one for fishing. What do you like to make? Um, so for fishing, just any type of fish, you know, walleye, um, perch, um, any kind of pan fish, basically we like um, crappies. But for fish, just slightly breaded, we use kind of a, um, a seasoning that you can maybe find in different places. It's called Andy's fish fry. Um, and then either pan, fi- pan fried in oil or um, fried in oil. There's this, <laughs> there's this, I don't even know what to call it, frying thing out there that's called a frying saucer. Mm-hmm. So you put your oil in the middle and then the outer edge keeps it warm while you're frying the rest of it. So it's all kind of at the same temperature when you get done. You're not having to put it in the oven to keep it warm or anything like that. We use that during the summer months when we can use outside. Um, But just lightly breaded for fish um, and then fried in oil. And then for wild game, my husband makes a really good venison paprikash. I just love, love. And then um, he does a venison stir fry. So that's my other favorite. But basically anything, venison, I we love it any way that any way that's made. Ground venison, throw it in everything, hot dishes, all sorts of stuff. So tell me um, about that recipe, um, the venison paprikash. Um, tell me, <laughs> tell me how you do that. I couldn't even tell you how he does it. <laughs> I want to know the secrets here. He's got a secret recipe, so <laughs> I don't know if I can share it. But no, um, okay. he he makes kind of like a roux, and then um, of course the venison. But that would be for him to tell you if he wants to give that one. No, I totally understand. We my wife made a homemade stroganoff the other night with some antelope meat that we had, and oh my gosh. That was some of the best <laughs> best food I've had. It was amazing. So I understand yeah. how that goes. So um Wild Wild Game is is so much better than anything you could ever buy in the grocery store. Oh yeah, absolutely. So if people want to hear more about or, you know, look up some of these things that we've been talking about as far as the apparel, um, where do they go to check that out? Um, so DSG um is dsgouterwear.com. And then Rock Starlet Outdoors is rockstarletoutdoors.com. Cool. Yeah, so you can go out there and take a look. Um, 
yeah, what they have to offer. And then if you have questions on it, um, they're really easy to work with both companies. That's awesome. Well, I want to say it's been great having you on, um, especially seeing a young mom getting out there, getting her kid involved and, you know, still making it happen, which is kind of half the battle is still going and getting out there, even though it's a lot more time and preparation and pretty inconvenient at times when you got to take a little kid along. It's really good to hear that you're doing that. It gives you a new perspective for what your mom or Patrick and my fathers went through of taking us out when you're on the other side of that. Right. Cause as a kid, you're like, no big deal. We hop in the truck and we went and we came (laughs) home and we had fun. Yep. Don't realize all the hard work that went into it. And, you know, if you're a new parent out there, I think that you just got to do it and you got to learn as you go because it's not going to be the same every single time. Yep, absolutely. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Um, And just for our audience, uh, thanks everybody for listening. If you have comments for us, please go to Facebook. We're at Radcast Outdoors and you can reach us via email, radcastoutdoors at gmail.com. So, Again, Susie, thank you for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And now it's time for the Radcast Outdoors Recipe of the Week, made possible by High Mountain Seasonings, a Riverton business. Check out their latest seasonings at highmountainjerky.com. That's H-I-M-T-N jerky.com. H-I-M-T-N jerky.com. And use promo code hms 10 That's HMS10 for 10% off your next order. High Mountain Seasonings. For this recipe of the week, I'm really excited to share my backstrap extravaganza. As everyone knows, I like to go out and procure a lot of protein. And my absolute total favorite way to cook backstrap, you can either butterfly, which you just take, you know, an inch thick slice of meat. You cut it almost three quarters way through so it lays out in a butterfly. I then take a small dollop of cream cheese, one jalapeno, wrap it closed with bacon, you know, usually in a hot dog shape with a couple toothpicks, sprinkle some high mountain seasoning on the outside, and barbecue that till the cream cheese starts to ooze out the middle. It is just absolutely to die for.